Welcome to Nerds at Church, a podcast diving deep into nerdery and the Bible. I'm Pastor Kay, and I use pronouns like she and her. And I'm Pastor Emily, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. In this episode, we'll veer completely off of what you have known us to be doing for the rest of forever and (laughs) still have a deep dive. (laughs) That is to say, we are deep diving into one of our most beloved segments, one of our most musical segments, one of our most delighted delights. (laughs) The Muppets. That's right, folks. Absolutely. Our deep dive is into the Muppets this week. So join us for that. Welcome to our Muppet mini-sode, Muppet-sode. Yes, it's our Muppet-sode. You can't see the faces I'm making, but just trust. They're there. They're very muppet Exactly. (laughs) So in this episode, we'll discuss the Muppets, basically. Yeah. Is what we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have some links to some stuff in the episode description, but... Probably not any Bible passages this time. But as a reminder, this lectionary cycle was our first season. And so you can catch those either by scrolling all the way back wherever you catch your podcast or by going to our YouTube channel. And we'll link to that in the episode description. But you can also just go to bit.ly slash YouTube with a capital D-Y-T, and see the playlist, and it's as a podcast, and it has captions now, so you can, awesome. yeah, we're, we're doing the accessibility thing, woohoo! Yay! And, of course, as always, a special shout out this episode to Wikipedia for giving us an awful lot of our content, carefully remixed for your listening <laughs> Indeed. So let's get started today by talking about Jim Henson and the Muppets, because you really can't talk about the Muppets without Jim Henson, and you really can't talk about Jim Henson without the Muppets. Why is that? Guess who created the Muppets, Emily? Jim Henson? Or God. I suppose that depends on your theology of or both. how all this works. Or both. <laughs> but sure. Both. Jim Henson. I, I like to think the Holy God. Spirit was involved a little bit. I, I definitely think so. So Jim Henson <laughs> was born in Mississippi in 1936, so right during the Great Depression. And he started creating puppets in high school for a local TV program. He was raised as a Christian scientist. And his older brother died in a car crash in 1956, so when he was 20. But while Jim was in college, he created a five-minute puppet comedy TV program with Jane Neville, who he would later marry. And when he graduated from college, he graduated with a degree in home economics, which actually is kind of fitting because you got to sew to make the Muppets. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about home management, and a lot of the stuff he did was about stuff that happened at yeah, home, so when you think about the, it. The works. And he and Jane co-founded what would become the Jim Henson Company in 1958, but at the time it was called Muppets, Inc., which is lovely. <laughs> they spent about a decade working on commercials and guesting on variety TV shows, variety shows before they were able to launch their own programs. And throughout his life, he was a very strong supporter of the civil rights movement. And you can kind of get hints at that through, especially Sesame Street, but some of the other stuff that they're doing yes, too. Yes, absolutely. Jane was actually 
Jim Henson's primary puppeteer at the start, aside from himself. And she was a big influence on the company, but she was later replaced by Frank Oz uh, and also several other people because apparently she was doing so much work, it took a bunch of people to do her work. But she uh, eventually quit regular working in order to become a stay-at-home mom. She and Jim would eventually have five children. And while they did separate in 1986 because... Frankly, according to everything I read, he was an incredible workaholic and didn't actually spend a lot of time with his family. They did remain close throughout his life. Jim started making puppets out of flexible fabric-covered foam rubber rather than the wooden puppets that were more common at the time around this point uh, because he wanted them to be more expressive. Uh, Mm. uh, Pulling on different strings within the puppet, he could change the facial expressions, basically, uh, and that gave him a lot more control. And Jim and Frank Oz uh, together portrayed Bert and Ernie, Kermit and Miss Piggy, and Kermit and Fozzie Bear together uh, for decades. Mm. And the character Rolf actually started out as an act on a different variety show uh, called The Jimmy Dean Show and would later become part of The Muppets. Nice. And Jim Henson and his staff joined Sesame Street from the start in 1969. At first, the humans and Muppets weren't supposed to interact because it would, quote, confuse the kids, end quote. (laughs) But kids found the humans boring, (laughs) so they had to reshoot the human (laughs) scenes with added Muppets. Yes. I love that part. That's fantastic. That is exactly the kind of education that TV producers need. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's true. And Sesame Street was designed to be like short, quick things that were also educational for kids. And so very, very effective in a time when obviously adults were not in tune with what kids wanted or needed. Yeah. But Sesame Street is what allowed Jim Henson to stop producing commercials, which was delightful for him because Sesame Street is way better than commercials. Also, worrying that his Muppets were getting typecast as for kids, which we've done a little bit of ourselves on this podcast. Yeah, to be fair. Jim Henson started doing SNL sketches in the 1970s, but SNL writers didn't know how to write for the Muppets, which is tragic. That should be like... I mean, yes... But also, I feel like writing for the Muppets is a very specific thing. Like, it took us a little while to figure out how to work with the Muppets, I you know? mean... And, and we don't... Yeah. I guess. But I, I can see how it was kind of a shock. Yeah. Eventually, Jim Henson started doing... The Muppet Show TV program in England, because that's where the money was. <laughs> Literally, that's where the investor was. And Henson said that... Later on, when Henson was like reflecting on all of this, he said that Kermit was bolder than he was and would say things he wouldn't. Also, super fun fact, he helped with the creation of Yoda for Star Wars and suggested Mm -hmm. Frank Oz for the role instead of himself, which I think is just so cool on like a number of levels. And then also he wanted to try for a grittier, kind of more realistic style. And that is how The Dark Crystal came about in 1982. Yeah. In 1984, he spent a year in Russia after he had spent a whole year learning Russian in order to make a film about one of basically, I don't know how else to put this, but one of his puppeteering idols, Sergei Obratsov. Mm. And when Jim Henson was in high school and checking out books from the public library to learn how to make puppets, this guy wrote one of those books. 
And oh. so he had a, a lifelong interest in this guy. And he actually got to go to Russia and meet him and make this film about him in 1984. Hmm. It was a, a huge thing for him, uh, basically meeting one of your heroes. Yeah. And there are also uh, two TV series that he made near the end of his life that these days are less well known, uh, although I have to admit they both sound really interesting to me. <laughs> uh, the Storyteller was sort of gritty fairy tale like theme stories for mature audiences. And it reminds me enough of some of the other work I've seen Jim Henson do as it's described that I, I would be totally fascinated to watch that. And the Jim Henson Hour was similar to The Muppet Show, but a little bit more adult in terms of tone and the jokes it made. Mm. And unfortunately, Jim Henson died in 1990 at the age of 53 uh, of toxic shock syndrome related to an unnoticed previous bacterial infection that had left abscesses in his lungs that just kept getting worse because they didn't know that they were there. Mm. Uh, and basically, it seemed like he had a cold at first, and then all of a sudden it got very bad in the middle of the night, and that was when he agreed to go to the hospital. And he might have lived if he had agreed to go to the hospital just a few hours sooner, if they had caught it just a, a few hours sooner. But bacterial infections work very fast once they get to a certain point. Yeah. Also, I wanted to point out toxic shock syndrome is a phrase that might be familiar to some of us who were taught about the importance of watching out for certain symptoms when we use tampons. Mm -hmm. But essentially, it's something that happens because of a bacterial infection. It can happen to anyone dealing with any infection. It's not actually directly related to tampons, just to be clear. At the time of his death, he was in the process of selling his company to Disney, but the deal fell through after his death. Uh, later on, the Muppets and a couple other uh, things would be sold to Disney after all, uh, but uh, his entire company was not. Mm. And he received a Hollywood Walk of Fame star after his death, and he was named a Disney legend in 2011. And we've linked to this before, but I continue to mm -hmm. love it. And so I'm going to continue to share the link with you all. But Carol Spinney as Big Bird appeared at his funeral and sang It's Not Easy Being Green, Kermit's song at his funeral. And it's just an absolute tearjerker. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. And Big Bird, coincidentally, was one of the first Muppets that was a full body Muppet. And the Muppets are not without their own controversy. So there are... Although not a lot of them, just true, a handful. just a handful. There was somebody on one of our posts for... Let's Make a Muppets musical said that they used actual animal feathers. And so I wanted to investigate that claim. I could not find anything to substantiate those claims. And I did do my best to find it. It is possible that they are true. Sure. But also, I would point out that due to, uh, this is one of those weird things I know because of some stuff I've learned about fashion history, the trade and use of real bird feathers in the United States is actually like very, very seriously monitored and can be a very serious crime. And so I feel like if there was any chance at all of them being accused of that, there would have been a, a real investigation because due to some species being hunted to extinction in the 1900s, that, that became a very big thing. Yeah. And that's an important law that also is super harmful for a lot of indigenous people and native people because eagle feathers are a different thing. Well, yes, I, I believe that they, they had to carve out specific uh, rules for, for all that. Yeah, but it was like white people carving them out. So it's like, oh, if you find an eagle yeah, feather, you right. have to send it in and then apply for it. And then we'll give you a random one back. 
just not the same as the eagle feather that was originally found its yeah, way to you. Not, yeah. yeah. So probably untrue, but in doing that, I did learn that since 2006, the Muppets have been made by Puppet Heap, which is a company started by Paul Andreco, who began with the Jim Hansen Company originally and is located in Hoboken, New Jersey. And Muppets these days are made of paper tape, fabric, fur, paper mache, silicone, latex, rubber, latex rubber, among other materials. And this is a pretty common combination of things for Muppet and puppet making. Muppets is just a combination of marionette and puppet, just in case you were curious about that word origin. And if you are interested in seeing how puppets like the Muppets get made, you can actually check out Furry Fingers, which is a TikTok account that I love. But they do, on TikTok, they do roll for puppet, where they roll dice to get randomly created puppets. But then also on Instagram, they have like pieces of that. So showing the pieces as like the steps as they're getting made. Or their YouTube channel has a here's how we make this video of like, here's how we make puppets, which is really cool. So you can definitely check them out and we'll link to just their basic website. And from there you can find all of the other stuff. But yeah, it's really cool to watch puppets being made, I think. So yeah, absolutely. Some of us may also be familiar with the name Stephen Whitmire. He started working with the Muppets in 1978, so very early on. And after Jim Henson's death, he inherited Kermit and Ernie's voices, basically. He was the one to perform both of them after Jim died. And he was later forced out of those roles in 2014 and 2016 after having been frankly difficult to work with in various ways for several decades. There was a lot of discussion of uh, what sounded like if he was a woman, it would have been described as diva-ish behavior, basically, by the media. He was very pushy about when he wanted to perform and when he didn't. He refused to train an understudy. Uh, and there was apparently just a lot of yelling and like uh, angry letters and stuff like that. So don't be like him. Yeah. Basic, basic story. Yeah. The other controversy that we are aware of. Feel free to let us know if we missed some Muppets controversies. But the other controversy is around Sesame Street's introduction of Julia, who is an autistic Muppet. And the character of Julia was developed in partnership with the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network and first appeared online in 2015 and then on TV April 2nd, 2017 for World Autism Awareness Day. And that was great. That's not the controversy. The controversy came in 2019 when she appeared in PSAs for Autism Speaks, which is regarded by the Autism Self-Advocacy Network as a hate group. Yeah. And so the Autism Self-Advocacy Network, ASAN, stopped working with Sesame Street because of that. And yeah, it's a big deal. If you are curious about more about that, there's a great article by Sarah Luderman that we'll link to about why autistic people have a problem with Autism Speaks and and like the controver- the whole controversy. It was written in 2019 when it happened. So sure. we'll link to that. But that also is a great transition that I don't even need to make up to <laughs> some of the more notable Muppet additions to any of the shows. Julia, we already mentioned, was a very notable ad- addition because she's autistic. And it was one of the first times that a character was both 
coded as autistic and actually explicitly recognized as autistic in any sort of TV, movie, anything. And so that was a really, a really cool thing at the time. Sam Eagle was introduced to the Muppets after they'd been working together for a few years. And he is, as many of us know, a very patriotic Muppet who is generally very patriotic about being American. But if you watch Christmas Carol, he gets gently reminded a few times that he's actually supposed to be British in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) And if you watch the show, they managed to have some very interesting sort of subtle conversations about patriotism and its limitations and difficulties with Sam Eagle, especially in The Muppet Show, the variety program. And of course, one of my favorites, who you've heard me talk about before, is The Swedish Chef. (laughs) And that character started basically, it was originally Jim Henson and Frank Oz messing around. And it sounds like Frank would do random stuff with the hands, and Jim would have to improvise a reaction and a reason why it was happening, (laughs) basically, to try to explain it. It really sounds like the two of them were just challenging each other to deal with the stuff they came up with. It does does almost seem like an improv comedy routine. They're just like yeah. the two of them, yeah. improv comedy. Yeah. But but it was one of the first characters also that like two people were doing it. So Frank Oz was the arms and Jim Henson was the head, yes. and, which is a very different dynamic. Yeah. So you got to be able to get along. And speaking of working closely with someone, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another character is Clifford, not the big red dog, but Clifford appeared with multicolored dreadlocks as the bassist for Solid Foam on the Jim Henson Hour, and then later as part of the Electric Mayhem band, which there's like a new show from Electric Mayhem that's out now. Oh, awesome. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of us may remember when Ronald Grump tried to con Oscar out of his trash can in the 1980s, and Ronald Grump was only one of many, many, many celebrity puns. <laughs> but also, uh, from like Sesame Street, and, y'all, yeah. we were not paying enough attention to that episode. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of things from the 80s and 90s that could have taught us a lot in the last, you know, five years, yeah, ten years. Yep. Also, Elmo. Elmo's just delightful, but also Elmo speaks in the third person. So, though everybody else uses pronouns for Elmo, Elmo actually doesn't use pronouns for Elmo's self. And that's a really cool thing. It's just kind of like the nature of Elmo, which is why it was so weird when Tickle Me Elmo came out, because Elmo would not have said that. But it's also really cool for folks who use neo-pronouns or who don't use pronouns to have a Muppet that also... And then Snuffleupagus, who doesn't love a good Snuffleupagus? Mr. Snuffleupagus was originally Big Bird's imaginary friend, and nobody else saw Snuffleupagus. And then eventually, like, now Snuffleupagus is seen by everybody, but it's a great, like, imaginary friends connection for kids. And Snuffleupagus's baby sister, Alice, was actually one of the first Muppets that was controlled by remote control. Hmm. And then, of course, as we've seen, the Muppets are a spectrum from Snuffleupagus and Elmo at one end to Muppets that are more human-like, although certainly still very much Muppets at the other end. And so we also have Ji Young, who was a seven-year-old Korean-American girl introduced as a Muppet, and she was the first Asian-American Muppet. And Seki first appeared in a sketch singing I Love My Hair, which I think you can still find all over Mm -hmm. YouTube. It's an easy search. Yeah. She's an African-American Muppet with tight curly hair. 
and adorable. Yes, very adorable. And Wes was introduced specifically around the racial justice topics that they were doing. And so one of Wes's more well-known ones is the music video, I Am Somebody Giant. So that Wes, he was a, a character that helped have those conversations. And then Aziz and Noor were introduced, particularly for stuff that for shows that were created to help kids in refugee camps, especially Afghan refugees, to help teach the kids. And so Aziz and Noor are Afghan refugees themselves, which is a really cool. I I really appreciate the way, especially for Sesame Street, that they were really intentional about trying to, sh- to show kids themselves, right? That the cast of yeah. the human cast of Sesame Street and the Muppets are diverse and are kind of put on the earlier edge of diversifying crews and characters and casts so that kids could see themselves and could see the world in ways that actually make sense. And we've talked about that, right, where Lily Tomlin sang a song in ASL and they don't always do it right, right? Ernie at one point sings a song about rubber ducky in Spanish that actually means a lot of other things. So it's not perfect. I'd also like to take a quick moment for another episode of Sesame Street teaching children about difficult topics. I was not alive when this happened yet, but in 1982, one of the original four human actors from Sesame Street, uh, the TV show, died. Mm. Uh, He was Mr. Harold Hooper, played by Will Lee, and the the actor Will Lee passed away in December of 1982, and instead of recasting or saying that he'd retired and moved away, they decided to actually talk about death Mm. on the show, and it apparently affected a, a whole generation of children and really helped a lot of parents uh, talk to their kids about what death was and what it meant yeah and that's i think between mr rogers and sesame street yeah slash the muppets that like those were real important staples to i know my like real formative for a lot of us in our generation and there are other ones that are coming about now i know bluey is one of the ones for like the current kiddo generation but that space to talk about hard stuff is really important and really valuable absolutely And, of course, the Muppets were not just uh, various TV shows. They were also movies. And so let's do a very quick run-through of the Muppet movies. So, of course, that starts with The Muppet Movie in 1979, which you may remember as the one where Kermit and Fozzie go on a road trip. And some of the faces that you might remember from that movie are Dom DeLuise, James Coburn, and Madeline Kahn. The next movie that they came out with was the 1981 The Great Muppet Caper, where investigative reporters and twins, Kermit and Fozzie, go to London to investigate a robbery. And the token human in that one was John Cleese. The memorable token human was John Cleese. Kermit and Fozzie were twins? Apparently, you could only really tell that they were twins when Fozzie was wearing his hat. Hmm, good to know. <laughs> it was a running gag. Got it. Yeah. And then we have The Muppets Take Manhattan from 1984. And this is the one where the Muppets go to New York City to get famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one was actually more of a cult classic than an instant hit, which apparently, like, 
the not instantly fabulous reaction was kind of depressing for Jim Henson. Mm -hmm. But when the VHSs started coming out, oh boy, did those sell. <laughs> so that helped. And you may remember from that movie, Gates McFadden. Yes, that's Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek. Liza Minnelli and Joan Rivers. And then, of course, our loved, much loved, and movie commentaried, The Muppets mm -hmm. Christmas Carol, which was a 1992 film. And it is a Victorian retelling of A Christmas Carol with, of course, Michael Caine. And this was the first movie to come out after Jim Henson's death. So it kind of pushed into a, this is going to continue kind of era. And the Muppets yeah, live on. And Michael Caine is, of course, the best Scrooge I think many of us have ever experienced. Absolutely. Muppet Treasure Island came out in 1996 and... I mean, I think Muppet Treasure Island serves as a perfectly good summary for that one. But basically, this is the Muppets as Pirates movie. And this one has Tim Curry and Billy Connolly in it. And then Muppets from Space featuring Miss Piggy's space family. I mean, yes. Muppets and spaceships and Gonzo is an actual alien. What? This, yes. this one came out in 1999. Perfect timing as we dive into Y2K. Mm -hmm. And the more memorable token humans are Andy McDowell, Rob Schneider, and Kathy Griffin. And then, of course, in uh, 2011, we have The Muppets. Nice, simple title, which is reuniting the Muppets who had separated all over the world and saving the Muppets Theater. Mm. And that included Jason Siegel, Amy Adams, and Whoopi Goldberg, among others. Whoopi Goldberg shows up a few times, and I'm here for it. She does. And absolutely. Yeah. Anytime she wants. Indeed. And Muppets Most Wanted came out in 2014 and featured Kermit's evil twin, Constantine, slash evil clone. And yeah. that one had notable token humans as Jason Siegel again, Ricky Gervais, and Tina Fey. And we know this is not all of the Muppets movies ever, because there are other ones that were, like, more made-for-TV. Adjacent. Or Muppets adjacent. Gonzo's adventure in the haunted mansion right those, those sorts of things which are all wonderful also if you want more movie commentaries on muppets movies just let us know yeah we're we're not against the idea we're happy we just need to know what you want yeah, we're happy to do more <laughs> sure and then that moves us into what we've talked about a little bit already which is muppet adjacent productions so there are actually a lot of muppet adjacent productions We've already talked about Sesame Street, and you all know that I love Sesame Street. It has featured on oh, yes. this podcast a bunch, and also on my own Sabbath Sips. It was sponsored by the letter Q once. <laughs> Sesame Street started in 1969 with the Muppets as an integral part, and eventually adults figured out what kids actually want. And Yes. Which is Muppets. Yep. <laughs> and then in 1977, Jim Henson produced Emmett Otter's drug band Christmas, which I'm going to get Emily to watch one day. It's a life goal. <laughs> hey, that could be a movie commentary. I'm just saying. It is a Christmas music special. There are so many very, very fuzzy Otter Muppets in this special, and they are just wonderful. And then, uh, of course, we've already mentioned The Dark Crystal. 1982 was Jim Henson's attempt to, to make gritty realism, which I love the fact that Jim Henson tried to do gritty realism and wound up making a fantasy movie. That sounds exactly like Jim Especially Henson. with Muppets. <laughs> gritty realism yes. with Muppets. More Muppets. 
that is that is just wonderful um my mom and i my mom came to visit one time when i was in seminary in chicago and the museum of science and industry had the muppets exhibit and we went or it no it was the jim henson exhibit so we went and you got to see like we got to see a whole bunch of muppets oh that's sesame street dark crystals all of that stuff it was so cool it was awesome Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The Dark Crystal, again, not an enormous hit in theaters, but once the VHS tapes came out, people started buying them like hotcakes. Mm -hmm. So that helped quite a lot. And then one of my personal favorites was the movie Labyrinth, which came out in 1986. And most people from this movie mostly remember David Bowie and Leather Pants. (laughs) But let's be honest, the Muppets were also fabulous. It's true. It's true. The Muppets are always fabulous. So sometimes we take them for granted, which we shouldn't because they're no, Fabulous. and like there are there are only so many you know people and concepts and characters that can actually stand up in a movie next to David Bowie and Leather Pants and actually be memorable, and these guys did. So that's a statement to Jim Henson about yeah. how fabulous puppets are. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were gonna flip it around and say there's only so many who can who can actually like I mean that's be true. in a movie with yeah, Muppets and be memorable and, and not just be forgettable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. also true. That goes both ways. Yeah. And then Fraggle Rock is a fantastic TV show that I loved growing up. It debuted in 1983, and Jim Henson described the Fraggle Rock series as a high-energy, raucous musical romp. A lot of silliness. It's wonderful. And the program is is actually, like, great for all ages, and it used fantasy creatures as allegories to deal with serious issues like prejudice, spirituality, personal identity, environment, and social conflict. So it did in a, like, more plot-driven way what Sesame Street did in a more didactic way. So one is telling through, is teaching through story, and one is teaching through teaching or something. Um, Well, and these days, Sesame Street has more of a narrative arc to it. So mm -hmm. uh, Sesame Street is teaching through story now, too. Yeah. I wouldn't know because it's on HBO. I'm still bitter about them. You can see the episodes nine months later at PBS. Okay. That's better, I guess. There, there's just a, yeah, that, that's how they were able to get funding to make it keep going, basically. Okay, that's fair then. I was like, if we're taking Sesame Street away from, yeah, that's like no. explicitly against. It's whatever. just a nine month de- delay. Okay. And also it uh, allowed them to almost double the number of episodes they made each year mm. because of the funding. Nice. Yep. And then Avenue Q, for those of you who don't know, Avenue Q is not for children. It <laughs> It began in 2003 off Broadway and then very quickly onto Broadway and has toured a bunch and it is musical comedy with puppets and human actors and it's kind of raunchy not gonna lie but I thought it was delightful when I saw it so it's a fun Broadway show if Broadway slash off Broadway slash touring show if you get the chance yeah so both Emily and I had an idea for how to turn Let's Make a Muppets musical around at the end of this episode. And so to start with, let's ask, what scripture do you associate most with the Muppets? First you have to say, uh, we're starting with Let's Make a Muppets musical 180. And now you can question. Yes. Uh, so what scripture do you associate most with the Muppets? Uh, I was thinking about this and I came up with Acts chapter 2 verses 44 and 45. When we hear of the early church, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. And 
I think this is the plot of at least half of the Muppet movies, <laughs> where the Muppets get together and sell everything they have and uh, try to make money to keep the Muppets going, basically. Um, and so it's the idea of the Muppets as the early church is kind of uh, interesting to me. But they don't focus on personal possessions. They don't focus on building wealth for themselves. They just want to keep the show going, folks. And I love that. It's true. It's true. My first thought was for Mark 10... 14, but also it is in Matthew 19, also verse 14, which is kind of funny. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the reign of God. And I think that's like, so often we go to Paul's like, when I was a child, I thought like a child and, and kind of like dismissing childish faith and belief. And I love that actually Jesus is like, yes, bring the children, let's be children together. And the Muppets are phenomenal at that, whether it's the Muppets babies or grownups or Sesame Street. Yeah. I like it. And then to do another... Let's make a Muppets musical 180. What is your favorite casting? If you could, like, we've done looking at specific Bible passages based on what we were talking about, but if you had the whole Bible to choose from, what would you pick to do Let's Make a Muppets musical of that passage or story arc? So the confirmation class I'm teaching is doing their Bible year this year. And as we've gone through the Bible stories, I continually wind up saying, and this person just had really big emotions about this, like Mm. (laughs) over and over and over again. Because you notice that a lot of those, especially, well, I don't even know that it's especially the uh, Hebrew scriptures, but there are a lot of stories where people have huge emotions. And I think those stories are the ones that are most suited for the Muppets because the Muppets are all, you know, about big gestures and and movements and Mm -hmm. such. And so I was thinking about it, and I think really the story of Joseph, mm-hmm. not just the multicolored dream coat, but also the multicolored dream coat. <laughs> um, the, the story of Joseph is just so muppetable. Yeah. I'm going to invent that word. And I really love the concept of, I think Joseph would have to either be his own like brand new Muppet or would have to be a human person. And I don't really have a a favorite casting for Joseph as a human. I really like the idea of him being a Muppet. Uh, And then like one of the tiny side characters could be a human. (laughs) But I love the concept of the main Muppets cast as the 12 brothers and just constantly doing songs in the background. And that's amazing to me. So. I do think that Rami Malek would be a really cool Joseph. Yes. And could definitely. He would. He's getting a little on the older side now, I but mean, yes. Details, yeah. details. He can voice Joseph as the Muppet. I, I think that would be great. I like that idea. And I know Rabbi Ruttenberg, when this idea was first like bubbling forth TikTok, on Twitter, Rabbi Ruttenberg was yeah. talking about the Ark with Jacob, Israel. Yeah. And I think that's another good one that has like lots of real big emotions yeah, to do. Absolutely. I was thinking about the Tower of Babel though. Ooh. And especially if you pair it with like the Tower of Babel and Pentecost in Acts. Sure. Right? But like a whole bunch of Muppets trying to make a Tower of Babel and then also a yes. whole bunch of Muppets in first century Palestine where all of a sudden all of these languages are being spoken and there's chaos and like they just yes. it seems like such a beautiful 
Muppets portrayal. And you just know that the tower would be built out of these foam blocks. And when they got surprised by speaking all the languages, the foam blocks would absolutely all come tumbling down. That would be very fun. Absolutely. And then the Muppets would, you know, slowly start to stand up out of the foam blocks and climb their way out. <laughs> yeah. That could be a great set piece. I think that would be phenomenal. I'm here for it. Because they, they're so good at physical comedy. They really are. It's true. It's true. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Our theme music was by Rachel Meyer Lachlan, and our Muppets music scattered throughout this episode was by Brenda Moss. <laughs> Thank you. Catch us next time when we'll tell you what's up for the upcoming season of Epiphany, which is to say our fourth season is going to be around the theme of Epiphany. So we're going to be doing a lot of really awesome stuff around stars and light and dark and all sorts of things. So keep your ears out in the new year for our Epiphany season on our regular feed. And in the meantime, keep checking out our Nerds at Church Revisited on YouTube or scrolling back. And our Patreon supporters can look for movie commentary out, hopefully, maybe by the time this is out, but probably this week on Four Weddings and a Funeral. <laughs> it's apparently a busy time of the year for pastors. I don't know. I've been a little bit busy. Yeah. So keep your ears out for that. And this podcast has been produced by us, Emily Ewing and Kay Ruloff. For more fun, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Blue Sky at Nerds at Church. Or contact us at nerdsatchurch at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you've heard, rate us or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you want access to our uncut guest episodes and interviews, live Q&As, and more, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdsatchurch. It's cheaper than starting a Muppet empire? For sure. Or even <laughs> just buying a Muppet. Those things are expensive because yeah. they're nice. Or building a Muppet, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, let us know on Blue Sky Facebook or Twitter what scripture you associate with the Muppets and who you would cast for Let's Make a Muppets musical for any episode in the Bible. <laughs> absolutely. For your favorite Bible episode, you might mm -hmm. say. As the ancient Christian said, Pax Vobiscum. Vobiscum.